good, good, good. Hey, uh, tonight Cliff will be our our special, not guest speaker, but our special speaker, right? Because it's no longer a guest anymore. Come on up. Why don't you guys give Cliff a hand? Yay. Come on. Yeah. Let me just echo what P. Ray has already said. Father, we just ask that you would that you would just fully unlock everything that you've planted in Cliff. God, we just want to we want to receive the riches uh, that are in this man. And uh, well, Father, we ask that you would just release just a, a good deposit of that tonight all over everyone here. We ask it in your name, Father. Amen. Amen. Uh, no, I think this is good. I think. <coughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> And worship was really good. Thank you, Hannah, wherever you are. I don't know where you went. But uh, thank you, and thank you, Lord, for worship. Um, is it all right if I pray for myself here, too, real quick? All right. Well, Lord, we just uh, we just humble ourselves before you, God, and, and we just ask that you would just, I just ask for help, God, because this isn't something I, that, I, that I'm used to talking about, God. And I just ask that you would just, do that everything that we do, God, in our lives, God, and even during this time, God, let it be done to honor you, God. Father, we just ask this, God, I ask that you would just help us. Father, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. All right. That's my nervous prayer. All right. <clears throat> okay, let me uh, do this. I was, uh, I was, Adam asked me to speak on Tuesday, which is five days ago, four days ago. And um, and I and when I was talking to him, I, I felt like I felt like I was supposed to talk about something else. And then as I was preparing for it the whole time, I just I just didn't feel like it was what the Lord. Um, I don't know. I just didn't feel like it was what the Lord wanted me to talk about for this week at least. Um, but uh, before I talk, who uh, who here wants to hear some some testimonies? Who here likes some God stories? Okay. Um, um, one of the. One of the things about the testimony that um, has really, really been really impactful for me in my life um, is this guy named Bill Johnson. Who here has ever heard of Bill Johnson? A lot of you. Um, he's a southern, not southern. He's um, why did I say southern? He is uh, from Northern California. He's a pastor. Um, he has a church called Bethel. He's in Redding, California. And um, basically, um, what he's done is that you know in his life and. And he started a church with people that are like him. He's just given himself to the pursuit of more of the Lord, um, specifically in um, in many realms. But one of the realms specifically is in the realm of the supernatural. Um, you know, healing, prophecy, all the supernatural stuff of Scripture. And um, he's he's completely devoted himself and, and his church to that. And um, he's written many books, um, of which that I absolutely love to consume. And um, one of the most recent books that he's written is this book called Release the Power of Jesus. Um, if any of you have ever read it, it's a really good book. And if you haven't, you should because it's really good. Um, but um, one of, the, one of the, like the themes in that book that I thought was going to be, I thought it was going to be like this manual about how to, you know, lay my hands on the sick and like how I would feel something go through my body or something. And there's a little bit of that in there. But the ironic thing is that most of the book is about the power of the testimony. 
Um, and, and he chronicles in the whole entire book, he talks about this 25-year journey that the Lord's taken him on, on why the testimony is so important in his life and why it's so important in a community of people that are going after the supernatural. And um, it's a theme that's all throughout the Bible. Um, it's a theme like you look, and I'll just give two of my favorites. Um, one of my favorites, oh, almost fell there, is in Revelation chapter um, 12. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, um, the story is is that it goes on that um, it's talking about how the devil has just been thrown down from heaven, and then it gives the reason why, um, why, the, why the people of God were able to overcome the devil. And I'll just read it. It says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. And um, so it's obvious the blood of the Lamb overcomes the devil, Simply for a couple of reasons. One of them is because the devil isn't even that powerful. He's only the equal of Michael the archangel. So whenever the blood's involved, it's always stronger than the devil because God trumps the devil every time. But the second reason is, is that the devil's power really isn't so much in um, his supernatural power, but it's more in deception. And um, it's in getting you to think in the way that you think. Because if you think of yourself in, as a god that's less powerful than the devil then obviously the devil's already won because you don't use the power that you have and you don't use the power that you have in Christ. And so it reveals that the testimony is one of the ways to overcome the power of the devil. And it just reveals that by hearing people's stories and stuff like that is one way to renew your mind so that you can think from God's perspective. Um, And then the book goes on, and then we see another passage um, in John chapter 20, um, verse 29. Um, Jesus is talking to Thomas. And um, this, is, this is one of my favorite passages because it's meant so much to me in my life. Um, Jesus is just talking to Thomas, and Thomas is having struggles with, you know, just unbelief. And, you know, all the 11 were able to believe Jesus when they saw him, but Thomas was like, I don't believe it. And so then he says, I'm only going to believe it if I put my hand into his side and I touch the things in his fingers or in his hands. And um, so Jesus appears before Thomas and lets him do that. And then Thomas says, oh, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus says a statement, which to me has, has always been something that I didn't understand until I started to realize um, about the power of the testimony. And he says in verse 29, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And see, the implication here is that through Thomas's testimony and through the testimony of the apostles, the people that receive that with an open heart, that the same spiritual benefit that he received from getting to touch it in person, they would receive if they received his testimony with an open heart. And um, it's really been something that I've loved. I love to collect people's God stories. Absolutely love it. Um, there's a couple of them that I just, like, I can't get over. And, uh, like, I just meditate on, like, all the time. There's one... Um, there's this guy, his name's Kevin Dedman. Um, I don't know if anyone here has ever heard of him, but he's the guy who, if anyone's ever heard of a treasure hunt, he's the guy who wrote the book and sort of um, formulated what a treasure hunt is. And um, there's this one testimony that he has when he was in a conference. And um, he, a man came up to him when he was in a conference, and the man didn't have a thumb. The man, he, he had buzzsawed his thumb off and, you know, a horrible, you know, whatever that, what's that thing called when you're fixing, fix it, whatever, horrible construction accident, construction, that's what it is, um, he had buzzsawed his thumb off in a construction accident, and he went up to Kevin and said, do you believe in creative miracles, and 
<laughs> I mean, what are you going to do with someone who doesn't have a thumb comes up to you asking for prayer? So, um, so in the book, he says, well, I did what every great revivalist would do. And, uh, and he said, so he grabbed his thumb and he just started laughing. He was just, he was, ah, <laughs> he just started laughing. And he laughed for five minutes. And when he took his hand away, the guy's thumb had grown back. And it didn't have a fingernail yet. And so he took a couple of his students aside and they prayed for him. And the very base of a fingernail began to grow. And then over time, the fingernail completely grew back. And he visited that place again in a year. And the guy whose thumb had been cut off in the accident, he was showing everyone in the county that he lived the thumb that Jesus had grown back for him. I mean, that's just, that's just that type of stuff. It's, it's hard to think a normal thought after you hear something like that. It's just incredible. Or there's another story. Um, who here has ever heard of Heidi Baker? Uh, she's like, she's one of my heroes too. She's such an incredible woman of faith and devotion to the gospel. It's just incredible. But um, I was at a conference that she spoke at maybe two weeks ago, I think. And um, she was telling of the story that happened to her recently when um, she was, um, she was in, she was helping giving gifts to kids is what she was doing. She was giving gifts to kids. And um, there were some younger kids and there were some older kids. And to all the younger kids, um, she had this bag of um, stuffed animals. So she was giving gifts to kids and there were stuffed animals. And most of the kids were younger. But then some older ones came later. And um, there was a woman with her who was uh, one of the head psychiatrists um, of the United States of a specific state. I think it was Alabama, something like that. That's what she said. And... um, one of the women who was the head of the psychiatrist of the state of Alabama was helping hold, you know, hold, hold not hold, um, pass things out to the children for her. And so, um, so these, these older girls came up to her after they'd been helping little girls the whole time. And they said, we want beads. We want beads because they're Africans. You know, they wanted beads. They're older. They didn't want stuffed animals. And, um, and the psychiatrist says, listen, there's only stuffed animals in the bag. There's only stuffed animals. And so Heidi Baker's like, they want beets. Give them beets. And the psychiatrist is like, you're crazy woman. Like, what's wrong with you? And, um, and so she, she looks at her and says, give them beets. And the psychiatrist is like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm not sure if this woman knows the Lord. She might, she might not. And um, eventually the psychiatrist is like, look, there's only stuffed animals in the bag. Like, I've been doing this the whole time. And then Heidi says, just reach your hand in the bag. So she reaches her hand in the bag, and there's beads. And she gives them to the little girls. And, I mean, that's, so, I mean, that, that's another time. It's hard to think a thought after that. You know I mean? It's just like you just want to worship the Lord after that. But, um, I mean, and that, to me, what's amazing about that is that simply, I mean, that wasn't even someone's body part. That was just something that means something to children. You know, and I mean, what does that say about the Lord? But um, um, that wasn't what I wanted to talk about. But I just wanted to sort of talk about um, a testimony because one thing that me and my honey have done in our lives is we've just learned to to feed off of the testimony and to gather them and to, to meditate on them and to let them really try to renew our minds and our hearts more of, of how great God is and, and more specifically of, of what's available to people that press into the Lord. Um, but um, tonight, I actually, when I was praying, I felt, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about creativity, which um, ironically isn't something that, you know, I, I necessarily would say that I'm that great at. I mean, 
Um, and now, now specifically about creativity, um, I didn't I didn't feel like the Lord wanted me to talk about um, you know like draw artistic or or um, writing or music and all that stuffs from the Lord and that's great and that's one of the ways that the Spirit moves through people or even in the sense of business and how God gives ideas to people and all that and I think that's also great too and you know that's that's also the hand of the Lord it's a spirit of wisdom. Um, but um, I felt like he wanted me to talk about creativity in our obedience. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I really think this is sort of, I think this is a little bit of an important word, at least for me in my life it has been. Um, because we see that each person in the world, each person that we meet is unique. I mean, originally we see in Jeremiah chapter 1, that, um, you know, in, in Psalm 139, that God dreamed a dream about each person in his heart, and he would just dream, and he would think about what each person was going to be like, and he would, you know, he would say, oh, you know, Genoa is going to be this, you know, girl that's, you know, amazing, and, you know, does this, that, and this, and has these desires, and her destiny is this, and so he did that with each individual person, and then we find he, you know, had that dream, and then he actually put flesh to it, and he stuck it in our mother's wombs, and um, then he breathed it into life, and then we were born, and then we find that there were other influences in our lives that we had, you know, we had certain types of parents who had certain types of values. Um, we grew up in a certain type of culture that liked certain things and that disliked certain things. We grew up with certain types of friends that had certain type of hobbies and certain types of desires and thought some things were cool and thought some things weren't cool. You know, we had brothers and sisters that did this, and we had our schools that we went to, and we have all these external influences that have shaped us into the person that we be. So we see that each person has, has both of a God aspect of their shaping to make, to make them who they are, and then they also have an aspect from the world that's been shaping them into who they are. And so what we find is that each person is radically different from another person. It's not just in physical appearance. It's actually um, in the co- inner composition of their heart, the way they think, the way they see things. And I've been able to know this more because I'm married to someone who's really different than me. Um, which, by the way, yesterday was National Hug and Asian Day, which I've decided to celebrate every day. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, and um, and so I remember um, one of the themes that the Lord really put on put on my heart and on a lot, a lot of people's hearts, maybe about two or three years ago, was um, this this um. Th- um the necessity of becoming like Christ, um, of just, we need to become like Jesus. And so here's, for the longest time, I had this view of the destination of my life, and not only my life, but everyone's life, of looking exactly the same. Because I felt, this is, I just felt that there was one cookie-cutter mold that God wanted um, someone who's fully surrendered themselves to the Holy Spirit to look like, and if everyone really submitted to God and let the Holy Spirit's dealings fully work in their life, then everyone would eventually look the same because I felt that we were all called to be like Christ. But recently, and it's not just me, it's, it's been a bunch of people who have discovered the Scripture, um, I found Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. And let me just read it. Um, Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 is a very interesting Scripture because here's Paul and he's talking about his ministry to the Galatian church, and um, specifically um, his heart towards the Galatians as they grow in Christ. And it says in verse 19, 
Galatians 4, verse 19, it says, My children, with whom I am again in labor, until Christ is formed in you. So it's, it's interesting. See, we have here, we have the objective um, destination of every single person that Jesus Christ, if you fully, completely give yourself to the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll end up having Christ. But then we have a very interesting thing in that it's that Christ is being formed inside of you. Christ being formed in you. So there's, there's a part of it that's, you know, the, the nature of Christ. Um, you know, the, the faith of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, the humility of Christ. Every aspect of Christ, of who Jesus is, is being formed inside of each person. But we find that each person is going to walk that out individually. And that it's going to look different to every single person who walks it out. And um, it's been something that, you know, I've just been sort of meditating on. One thing that I've meditated on even more further is that, and I've started to notice this, is that you could have two people... Um, because they're unique and because they're different and because the dealings of the Holy Spirit are taking a different direction in their life that are on the pathway of becoming like Jesus, you know, one here and then one here, but the dealings that the Holy Spirit does in their life are radically different in different seasons. So we might have one guy over here. He loves the Word of God. He loves to study the Bible. He loves to, you know, understand things. He loves wisdom. And then we have someone over here who the Holy Spirit's put it on his heart is that he loves the poor. He loves service. He loves all these other things. And so what do we have? We have people who look radically different, but they're in different seasons and they're going to the dealings of the Holy Spirit in their life and they're eventually going to have Christ formed in them. And I think that's, that's something that's... I, I think that we need to understand that perspective in order to understand that we need to co-create with God and how we're going to practically walk out the gospel. Um, one, um, one thing that the Lord's really taught me is this thing called the process of formation. Um, and this is how it works in my life. Um, John chapter 16. Who here loves the book of John? It's a piece of holy work, gift from God given to us. Um, John chapter 16 is, it's an incredible um, it's an incredible passage. It comes um, in the time when Jesus was talking to his disciples last. Um, it's, you know, one of their last talks, if not their last talk, before they um, before he's crucified. And um, one of the things that he says in 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 the in chapter sixteen, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and um, he's just giving different things about the Holy Spirit, what he's going to do. And then in verse twelve, one of to me, it's a very fascinating scripture, but it's become one of my favorites. He says, I have many more things to say to you now, but you can't bear them. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. I just, I just think that verse 12 is incredible. I have many more things to say to you now, but you can't bear them. It's like Jesus is saying, like, if I told you what I really wanted to tell you right now, then what, what I said would probably actually be destructive instead of constructive towards you. There's a lot of things in God that I'm starting to realize that two years ago I wasn't able to hear. And the reason why is because at that point I hadn't submitted myself to the path that he had me on. And because of that, I wasn't open to certain things then that I am now because of the walk that I've had with Christ. 
And I like it and I dislike it because, one, it means that, like, there's more that I could have that I can't have right now. But at the same time, it means that in my relationship with God that I'm going to continually and continually and continually and continually get a greater and greater revelation of who God is and how he works in my life. Um, but one of, the, one of the main themes about this is that, number one, God says there's more for your life than you even know as far as learning. And then the other thing is, is that I want you to develop a relationship with my Holy Spirit that teaches. You know, it's like... You know, depending on what type of stream you get when it comes to being led by the Holy Spirit, you'll get a bunch of different streams. You'll get led, you'll get teaching about being led by the Holy Spirit in miracles and words of knowledge, which is like, you know, where it's like I looked at that guy and I felt like he had that problem and he did and I prayed for him and then he was healed, you know, or like, you know, you'll have like the the different stuff like that. And that's all that's being led by the Holy Spirit. But then um, but it's not always that you'll get teaching about how to be led by the Holy Spirit in Bible study. Yeah, but but we see here in um in verse thirteen that the Holy Spirit's meant to guide us into all truth, and I remember I went through a time in my life about three four years ago when when I would was this is like the thing that was like in me like I was just like all I want to do God all day six hours eight hours a day is just sit before you and listen to you speak to me because I love your presence and I love it when you speak to me and Holy Spirit won't you be my teacher and teach me the truth. And, like, it was just, I just went through that season that was just amazing. And um, and then um, I went through that season, and that, that foundation was being developed in my life of listening to God. And then the Lord started to um, to rebuke me, and it was one of the biggest rebukes that I had in my life. And um, it was interesting because from this place of I developed this love for the presence of God. I developed this love for the study of the word. And I developed this love for scripture. I started to come into delight into this place where I love to understand things and I love to know things. But I didn't have an emphasis on doing. Um, And so we see here that in there's plenty of scriptures that he used to to use to put his finger on my life in this area. One of them is Luke chapter 11 verse 28 where um, the context is this, Jesus is preaching and, and some, some woman yells out, blessed is you who, who nursed you when you were young, you know? And, and he's like, and he's like uh, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. <laughs> and um, so he puts the emphasis on, you know, not just hearing, but actually observing and actually doing. And then we see in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, James actually says it more intensely where he says that if you do not be merely hearers and so deceive yourselves by, by calling to our understanding that if you're just someone who studies the Bible and you're just someone who you know, loves to sit in the presence of God and have him speak to you, but you never actually act on what he's saying, then you're coming to a place where you're going to be more and more deceived. You're just going to be all head and no heart, and you're just going to be all theory with no practice, so you're just going to live in theoretical mode all day, which doesn't do any good for yourself or really anybody um so so one thing i've realized is that when it comes to co-creating um our relationship with god and our obedience the first thing that we need to understand is one we need to be able to hear from the holy spirit and have him teach us the word of god and then two we need to understand that whatever we hear from god is meant to lead us into this place of obedience and um 
it's actually it's actually a very interesting thing. And one thing that I've started to notice in my life is that when God speaks to me, it's like what happens in Revelation chapter ten. Um, Revelation chapter ten. It's it, I, this might not be you know if you're looking at end times what actually it means, but I like it because it's a really good picture. I'll just read it. It says, and I like I like angels and like that type of imagery and stuff. Verse eight. It says. The voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me, saying, Go take the book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and the land. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. So I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and in my mouth it was as sweet as honey when I had eaten it, but my stomach was made bitter. And I started to realize, it's like, man, I love the taste of the word of God. I love to eat it. I love it when I just get a I just, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and I love to just think about it. But then there comes a time when it gets, like, to here, and you digest, and you're like, oh, no, I actually have to do this. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. It's like, it's like, Lord, like, this is going to be so cool. You're going to raise up these revivalists that take risks, and that, like, and it's like, oh, no, I actually have to do this. It's like, it's like, oh, no. And then it becomes something that's like, oh, man. And so, um. So I've realized that, um, that like, we have spirit-led learning, and then we have this, this thing where it's like you co-create with God how to practically walk out the word that he's given you. And, um, and I think that's something that's, that's so important because, you know, we all live in different cultures. We all live in different settings and different places we have different amounts of time we have different relationships so it's going to require the voice of the holy spirit speaking to you as to how you're actually going to practically walk this out and um an example in my life um has been um with evangelism uh let's see here about three years ago um the lord spoke to me and really clearly that i was to stop um only seeking him in prayer and that I was to dedicate myself to walking out his mission. You know, and he started to speak to me because, you know, you need to walk out my mission. And, and part of the mission is to reach the lost. It's to, to do the works of the kingdom. And it's to encourage the church to walk out his mission. And um, and so I started, like, first when I first heard this, it was like, Because, like, when I even talked, I remember the first time I ever prophesied over an old lady, I almost cried. I like I went and I was like I was like God thinks you're really great and then I was like ah oh, and I like was like for like a day and a half I like, didn't want to talk to anybody do anything I just wanted to sit in my room and like pray like I was just like oh God I'm so faithful <laughs> and uh, and um, and so I started to realize that this word that He had over my life of really giving myself to evangelism and boldness required something in me that I didn't necessarily have at that time. So I really pursued it, and I really pursued it, and I really pursued it, and I got better, and I, and I got some, you know, the Lord taught me ways to walk it out practically, and he taught me some of the pitfalls of it, and then some of the some of the ways to help go easier at it for me in my life. And, um, and I got to a point in 2009 where I led 20 people to the Lord that year, which is, you know, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not where I want to be, but and I mean, it's not about numbers, but it's about, and it's, it's about people. It's not about numbers, but it's about numbers of people, if that makes sense. Because I want to lead as many people to the Lord as I can before I die. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you want to be someone who really does his mission. Um, 
but uh, at the end of 2009, the Lord started to speak to me, and it was really interesting. And he said, um, he didn't say, he, he said this, it took a period of time for me to understand what he was saying, but he eventually started to tell me that I needed to have his heart towards the people that I ministered to, because if I had mission without his heart, then I was actually, there was only half of the fullness of what he wanted to do with me. And he spoke to me, he said, I want you to enjoy people. And it was such an, it was such an interesting word. He said, because what I realized is that every relationship that I had gotten myself into, it was what can I give to someone? And, and, I, and while that's part of the gospel, while that's the truth of the gospel, God wants us to reach the lost, God wants us to encourage everyone, wants us to encourage our brothers. But the thing that he was really teaching me is that he wanted me to understand that each person he uniquely brought into my life to bless me. And he wanted me to change the way that I saw people as something that, I can, that I'm brought here to help you instead of rather you're something who's brought here to make my life better. And then in the context of having that as the basis of the relationship, then I can start to minister. And it was, it was really something that I've really gone after this past year. And so I haven't had the fruit in evangelism that I had last year, but I'm, I believe that if it's a pruning process, it's going to bring me more fruit. Because I believe that from the context of really liking someone, that's when true ministry really begins. You know, I mean, John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that what? He ministered. He gave. So from the context of, man, I, I like you and I enjoy being around you, no agenda at all is from the place that I can actually have an agenda from the, for the kingdom. Um, and so that's just one example, you know, because I continue to co-create with God. I continue to talk to God. I continue to have conversations with God about how I can bear more fruit in evangelism, something that he told me. And um, that's just one example that um, I think is really important um, for us to, to understand. But, but, but the bottom line is this, is, is this, is that we're called, number one, um, to be students of the Holy Spirit as he teaches us truth as he teaches us how to walk out the word of God, as he teaches us how to walk out obedience. And then two, we're called, once he teaches us the truth, we're called to co-create with him and say how we're actually going to live it out in our life. Um, so that's, that's basically the main thing that I really wanted to, uh, to say. And um, I'll end it with three questions that, that will help you. All right, I've never done this before. The first one is, how do you view scripture? Um, is it something that, when you read it, it's like something that causes you to become really nervous and insecure. It's like, oh, no, I, uh, this one right here, I haven't done that one today. But, you know, but the one below it, I did that today, so that's good. You know, Or is it something that you look at and you say, okay, this is something that not only does God want me to do, but I believe that in here, if the Holy Spirit enlightens them to my heart, these are the keys to have a more fruitful life, and these are the key to have a, a better life. Um, and the second one is, what scriptures are speaking to your heart right now? Like, what scriptures, when you read them, it's, there's, there's destiny inside of your heart when you read it. Something comes alive, and you say, okay, this is, this is, this is me. I, I know this is me. And then the third is, how are you applying them? You know, it's one thing to love the Word of God and to, to love how it sounds and love to teach it, but there's another thing where it's actually, what does this mean for my life? And um, so those are the three questions I would ask you um, as you go on your journey to becoming more and more in the image of Christ. So that's, that's all I have to say for today.
He's good. Thank you, Cliff. Yeah. Hey, the Lord is here. Um, let's, let's just um, let's do this for a minute, because I feel like the Lord is probably actually partnering with a lot of us uh, right now. Um, this, is, this is a process that we all go through. We, uh, like, like Cliff was talking about, you, we encounter the Lord, and in the process of encounter, He doesn't just want to encounter us so that we um, have a good time in the moment. He wants to encounter us to bring change first to us, and then the change that gets brought to us gets worked outward, and I feel like that's probably a lot of us in the room. And uh, I think I think the Lord just wants to bless and increase that. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna definitely minister that. But I just want to take a minute and just there's just a few of us here. Let's just wait on the Lord. Is that okay? We don't do that a lot. Father, we just want to wait on you right now. And anything else that you would like to add to the agenda, Father. 